Birds, Steeler fans, welcome back to another episode of the Steelers Fix podcast, part of the Steel Curtain Network from Fans First Sports. Here on the Fix, we talk all things Pittsburgh Steelers with a focus on roster building and player development. As always, my name is Andrew Wilbar. Pleased to be joined by the legendary Jeremy Betts. And Jeremy, the last time that I hosted the show, we were talking about sarcastically how the Steelers won, and there was, as a former Pittsburgh Pirates famous announcer would always say at the end of games, there was no doubt about it. Well, this week the Steelers yeah. lost, and unsarcastically, there was no doubt about it. In every way, shape, or form, it was a bad game. Jeremy, yeah. your thoughts? Oh, man, I've got too many thoughts to utter uh, here on this podcast and and stick with our um, game plan here. So I'll keep it simple to... The fact that, I mean, something's something's got to change and it's got to change quick. And, and it can't just be, we got to play better. Uh, that can't be how it goes. Uh, there's got to be um, personnel changes on offense and defense. There's got to be coaching changes there um, or duty changes, whatever, um, you know, is, is whatever the Steelers are capable at of doing at this time. And that's what's tough is when you commit to somebody like Matt Canada and his scheme. And, and just for example, because <laughs> that's the one under, under pressure right now is when you commit to that for an off season and then four weeks into it, it's not working and your offense is struggling for every yard and you're making good football players look incompetent. Then what do you do? I mean, you can't just, I mean, if you quit it and, and fire the guy, what are you going to do? Who are you going to turn to in the middle of an NFL season? There's not a lot of options for the Steelers here that look good. And you start to wonder then is no matter what they do, is this season already over before it really even begins because of the decisions made in the off season, um, starting at the top and, you know, Mike Tomlin, as much as I have defended him throughout my fandom and throughout his career, has to shoulder the the bulk of this load as the decision maker for this team. He has not made good ones recently um, as far back as seven or eight years now in the person in the uh, not personnel department, but the um, front office department in the, in the coaching staff department, he has not, and it's starting to show in really bad ways. And the Steelers have to figure something out. There's going to be a lot of people come on, uh, shows and talk about Matt Canada needs this, or Kenny Pickett is not the answer or Mike Tomlin needs fired. Let's be, let's be sensible with our demands here because no matter what the Steelers do, if they move on from somebody and, and try to bring somebody else in, there's not much of a path forward outside of you just got to execute better on all fronts. No matter who's up there calling plays, no matter who's on the field, somebody's got to execute better. Everybody's got to execute better. And also, I know I'm rambling here a little bit. The defense is partially to blame for this situation here as well. They've, they've got to shoulder a load as well. The Texans had basically their third string offensive line. And this was fourth quarter of a preseason game type roster up front. And the Steelers got zero pressure on CJ Stroud, basically all game long, no sacks, no turnovers. They let a rookie offensive coordinator and a rookie quarterback 
run roughshod over them for 60 minutes. It was never close. And the slight glimmers of hope in the early portions of the third quarter were blasted because the Steelers can't get in the end zone when they get down in the red zone. So, uh, and the defense just lets wide receiver ones run free and running backs just turn yards after contact. Nobody wants to tackle. It's embarrassing, Andrew. I'll stop now uh, so we can move on. But what what are your thoughts? There's not really a whole lot else to add. I, I mean, the Texans, I know they, CJ Stroud's playing really well right now. I will give him credit. He's looking really good. And Nico Collins is having himself a great year. He has broken out and emerged into a true number one wide receiver in the NFL. But overall, from top to bottom, the Texans are still not a good football team. We there are a lot of holes on this team. So when we go into all these different, we can go into all these different scenarios. But at the end of the day, ultimately, we have to realize that the Steelers got beat by a bad football team, and it wasn't close. That that's when you know that there's a bunch of things that are wrong. It's not just one thing. And the most prevalent thing: how excited can we really get that change is going to happen? Like we were talking before the show about who the Steelers could potentially get if Matt Canada gets fired. Who do the Steelers pursue midseason? Yeah. I, I think, despite coming off a bad loss, I think if the Steelers make a move, they would probably wait until the bye, which would probably mean Kanda gets one more week, potentially with Mitch Trubisky at quarterback. We'll see what happens with uh, Kenny Pickett's health. But if Kanda knows that that there's some that there's a chance he doesn't have more than one week left, you should expect the Steelers to throw everything but the kitchen sink out of whatever he's got in the playbook that he's never used before. He better utilize it on Sunday because there is a guy by the name of John D Filippo out there. Not one that I would necessarily endorse as my favorite guy for the long-term offensive coordinator position, but he would seem like a logical guy for the Steelers to go after. Andy Weidel has connections with him from their days in Philadelphia. He just comes across as that middle of the road type of guy that will We've seen spurts of good performances. I mean, he Carson Wentz did great when DeFilippo was his quarterback coach. Offensive coordinator, not so much. And health was part of the issue with Wentz as well. But when DeFilippo was offensive coordinator, the results were kind of mixed. They really weren't that great. Mm-hmm. Would he be better with better personnel, which I believe the Steelers have better personnel? Maybe he could. But at the same time, there's a good chance he comes across as one of these other middle-of-the-road guys that slowly, little by little, just becomes another one of those coordinators the Steelers whiff and miss on. He'll do good enough to get through the season for the Steelers to extend him and make him the new offensive coordinator, but not going to be the guy that lasts long-term. I don't know if you have an idea if you think Filippo is a guy that would actually make sense. No, I'm just curious to get your thoughts on that, and if the Steelers do move on from Canada, when does it happen? Does it happen at all? Yeah, I I think it needs to happen, but I don't think it's going to happen during this year. I I just don't think it's going to. I think Mike Tomlin's going to sit there behind the mic when asked about it and say, I mean, this is this is the staff we, we're rolling into the season with, and this is what we're going to stick to, and we'll make wholesale changes. We'll be reactionary after the season's over. And um, I just don't think that that helps your team at all. Um, it continues to hurt your team. So – I don't care who they bring who they bring in as long as they were to bring in somebody. But what you can't do is fire Matt Canada and turn it over to to Mike Sullivan, um, turn it over yeah. to Glenn Thomas or something along those lines because uh, nothing's really going to change. You might get better play calling potentially by switching it up um, in scenarios, but the offensive scheme is the issue, right. um, the, the basic issue here. So 
I don't have anybody that's just sitting off or sitting on the top of my mind here that just would be an immediate upgrade on the Steelers situation. That's why I think it's just a, a bad situation caused by a, a major error in the offseason, which is saying we would rather ride with Matt Canada and stay consistent for Kenny Pickett than change things up after his first year. That was you and I talked about it during the offseason mm-hmm. ourselves. That was if anything, you want to go ahead and change. So he's got two more time or he's got th- more time on his rookie contract to figure things out under somebody else. Yep. And now you've wasted another year in this offensive scheme. I don't think things are just going to change. Now I will say this. The Steelers could very well come out at home against Baltimore and win because it's a division rival, a division game at home. And Mike Tomlin gets up for those games. But when you're talking about winning in the AFC or being more than just an also ran, which the Steelers have been for almost a decade now and and not really been anything more than that, then you've got uh, the goal of the season is, is over before it even begins in that type of situation. So uh, whatever the Steelers do here, uh, they could go into the buy at, at three and two. I wouldn't be shocked about that, but that still doesn't mean in my opinion that wholesale changes across the board don't need to be made. There's a lot we can get into and there's a lot that other shows on this network are going to discuss. I know there were some rumors about Mike Sullivan potentially calling plays in the second half. I don't know if that was confirmed or not by anyone. I know that there's were rumors of him being the one to huddle with the play card. I don't know exactly what was going on with that. But it's going to be interesting to see which direction the Steelers go here, if they go any different direction at all, as the injuries continue to mount up with Pat Frymuth, Kenny Pickett both going down today. We'll see how long-term those injuries end up being, but Steelers are definitely not gaining any additional depth at this point. We're going to go ahead and take our break right now, and when we come back, we're going to get into our two-minute drills and then dive into the topic of today's show, which is our first quarter rookie and sophomore reviews we're going to give our report cards coming up after the break you won't want to miss it Welcome back to the second half of the Steelers Fix. Andrew Wilbar and Jeremy Betts back with you. Jeremy, it's time to dive into our two-minute drills. Let's start with you today. There was a lot that happened in fantasy football this week. We had some high-scoring games once again, and there's a lot to break down. So I'm excited to see where you go with this. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. In three, two, wait a minute. Let me get my timer up and ready. (laughs) Oh, man, had me on the start. It's a false start. Uh, by false me start. Yeah. All right, better than delay of game, though. Yeah, five-second penalty. Is that what that is? Or Five-second penalty. Okay, one, two, three, four, five. On your mark. Get <laughs> set. Go. All right, let's start with Christian McCaffrey, who is probably my vote for MVP of the league right now and also fantasy MVP just playing out of his mind. He scored four more touchdowns in a game today. That's 13 games in a row with touchdowns. I'm sorry, on Sunday 
is when this happened, not today. <laughs> uh, but he is just playing out of his mind. And uh, if you if you left wide receivers on the board and drafted CMC in the first round, congrats to you because he is probably going to win you your season um, at this rate. So uh, good news for CMC owners. The return of the king, Derrick Henry, played fantastic. 120-plus rushing yards, a couple touchdowns, and uh, is looking really good really good uh, after a really rough start to the season for him. Maybe he can keep that rolling. And then Nico Collins against the Pittsburgh Steelers just owned them down the field, um, put up 30 plus fantasy points and is just cruising this season as a true number one wide receiver in good matchups this year. He should be in your starting lineup for sure. Let's move on to the bad bets. Uh, Joe Burrow and this Cincinnati Bengals offense, they just can't get off the ground. But Joe Burrow specifically drafted highly among quarterbacks this year, and he is letting you down. He is almost unplayable at this point until you can actually uh, see some consistent play out of him, consistent points in fantasy. Javante Williams, believers, I was one of them. I'll raise my hand here. He has looked uh, slowed by injury and also uh, keeps getting injured in ball games. So I just don't think that that renaissance is going to happen this season. Probably you'd be you'd be asking for trouble if you're relying on that. And then the Browns without Deshaun Watson, Amari Cooper, all these guys, they struggled mightily without Watson there. As poorly as Watson has played, he is the driving force behind their fantasy yeah. success. That's a lot there. Yeah, I sh- I should say as poorly as they as he's played at times, he looked good last week before his injury. Um, he, I couldn't even get to like the Buffalo Bills and uh, Devin A. Chain and guys like that that are are just playing really really well right now for fantasy owners. When you look at, I mean, the fantasy quarterback position for one, a lot of guys that are drafting these guys highly. The ones who drafted the Mahomes, the Hurts, the the top, top guys and spent significant draft capital on them may actually not have been a bad idea this year because that next year of guys, Justin Fields, Joe Burrow, a lot of those guys just have not worked out. Dak Prescott, uh, he had a he had a, himself a good week this week, and there were other guys, but outside of Tua, Anthony Richardson, a couple others, there's not that many great options that came out of this year, and I mean – Another takeaway is don't buy into preseason hype as much as we always do every year. We bought it with the Steelers offense and it hasn't worked out. We bought it with some rookies. I think of Dorian Thompson Robinson who came in today, three interceptions and Mm -hmm. did not look like the same player we saw in the preseason. So you can't judge regular by the the regular season by the preseason. Uh, Just if you don't believe me, go ask Dan Orlovsky in the 2008 Detroit Lions that went 0 16 after going 4 0 in the preseason. Right on. All right. You ready for yours here? I am. A little look at some college football action over the weekend. That's what we do around here. Andrew, you ready? I am. Three, two, one, go. Let's start off with Brock Bowers. This guy's going to be a top 10 pick. If not for him, Georgia would have lost that game very easily to Auburn. Eight catches, 157, and a touchdown. That uh, was the saving difference in that game. Brock Bowers is a top 10 pick in this draft. The reason I'm not as high on him is because he's not that great of a blocker, but maybe that aspect of his game develops. Regardless, he's going to be a weapon. He's going to be a matchup nightmare. Low-key Darren Waller vibes. I like Brock Bowers a lot. He's going to be a big fantasy guy as soon as year one in the NFL. 
Ray Davis, running back from Kentucky. Talk about shredding the Florida defense. 26 carries for 280 yards and three touchdowns. 5'10", 216, not the best pass catcher out of the backfield, not the most complete running back. But I tell you what, as a runner, he looks like an NFL back. He looks like a guy that's going to get some tread. Keep an eye on him in the middle rounds of this year's draft just as a pure runner. Maurice Norris Jr., free safety from Fresno State, was all over the field. Had three tackles, one and a half sacks, had a pass defended, and also came away with a key interception. Fresno State's 27-9 win over Nevada. His stock is definitely rising. How about Howard Cross, defensive lineman from Notre Dame? 13 tackles, three and a half tackles for loss, one sack, and two forced fumbles in their win over Duke. He was really the MVP of that game. If you go in just aspect by aspect of the game, this guy's got a strong base, doesn't get the greatest leverage because of his lack of length, but this guy's going to be able to play significant uh, time in the NFL, whether it be as a role player or as an an every down guy. How about Jackson Dart and Jaden Daniels in a high-scoring affair? They took care of the ball. Both of them had fantastic days overall. It was also poor defense for the most part. But I do want to get to two quick guys real quick from Utah. Cole Bishop, seven tackles, had a key interception, uh, half tackle for a loss. This guy is roaming all over the field, playing really sound coverage. And then Jonah Ellis, six foot two, 246 defensive end, seven and a half sacks on the season already. Had two more this past week for Utah. Keep an eye on him. His stock is rising. Good stuff as always. College football was more fun than NFL football this weekend for me, and that's saying it something because I'm I'm an NFL fan uh, more so than a college football fan. But I will say this: when the Steelers lose like this, it's not fun to watch. So it's not it's a fun not. week. But man, some of the guys you mentioned here: Brock Bowers saved Georgia's un, uh, win streak, and then um, man, Ray Davis was shot out of a cannon against <laughs> Florida. That was insanity. Awesome stuff to watch, for sure. We're going to get into the topic of today's show. It's It may not seem like a show to fit the mold of what's going on with the Steelers team, but there's we already, we've told you on the Steelers fix the major issues with the Steelers team, and nothing has really changed. We're just we, That would just be beating a dead horse, so we're going to go to what we typically do about this time of year. We're going to do our rookie and sophomore report cards. We're going to go player by player in both this draft and the uh, last year's draft, and we're just going to give our basic grades. So, Jeremy, let's start off with the rookie class. We're going to start at the top. Roger Jones has gotten a chance to see the field on a couple different occasions because of injury. Came in for uh, Dan Moore Jr., I believe, today. Spent some significant time out there. What is your overall evaluation on Roger Jones? I know it's still really early, but what would be your initial grade? I'm going to go C- minus here for the work he's gotten. I think he's been okay. Uh, people are going to dog him for the sack he get he let up on Kenny Pickett on Sunday, but that was Kenny's fault, really yes. rolling into that pressure with his back turned, no less. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know, Andrew that that blindside spin back move that he does to get out of pressure, it sure puts him under pressure a lot. He needs to retire and that what, move. Yeah, absolutely. Jones literally couldn't do anything um, to to save it there, so I don't fault him for that i think he gets good push in the run game i just think that he's pretty raw overall as a as a pass blocker and that'll improve over time um we'll see how he continues to play but i give him a c minus for now i'm gonna give him a c plus i think his play overall has been solid uh as a pass blocker there have been a few reps that he's blown Mm-hmm. Uh, but a lot of that is just a poor balance uh, some things that rookies are going to struggle with 
it's it hasn't been great by any stretch, and he hasn't been great as run blocker. He's had a few good plays where he's been able to pave open a block, but for the most part, meh. I give him a C plus. Yeah. He's been thrown into action both times. He's had to play both right and left. I think he's adapted well to both. Uh, he's been able to step in and play. I would say close to the level of the guy that he was replacing because neither of which were playing that well anyways. So from that perspective, I think he's done okay. I would like to see more, and I think we will see more as time goes on. But you can see his rawness and his issues. I'm giving him a C plus. I don't. I'm not ready to say that he's okay. you know he was a bad pick anything like that. I think he's gonna no. turn himself around. He's still extremely young, but uh, we need to temper expectations for the remainder of this season. This is a freshman season for a reason. But uh, he will improve. Let's get to Joey Porter Jr. Because yeah. again today in the little he played, not yeah. only is the secondary as a whole play better when he's out there as opposed to Levi Wallace, but Patrick Peterson plays better when he's out there as opposed to Levi Wallace. Yeah. Peterson <laughs> is has there's a lot of pressure on Patrick Peterson when Levi Wallace is there. Both of them are getting exploited, but for some reason when Porter comes into the game, teams struggle to throw as much on the outside, whether it be on Peterson's side of the field or Porter's side of the field. This guy's a difference maker, and the Steelers need to get off this philosophy of, oh, he, because he's a rookie, he can't start for us. Uh, what What is your initial grade on Porter? Because I think he's played really well. Well, before I give him a grade, let me say this. Behind keeping Matt Canada as your offensive coordinator moving forward, um, keeping Joey Porter Jr. on the bench behind Levi Wallace, it, moving forward would be the the biggest negligence of the Steelers uh, decision makers, specifically Mike Tomlin. Um, I give him a B plus right now um, because I, I do want to see more out of him. I, I want to see, I don't know. I want to see a more uh, well-rounded game out of him, especially in the tackling department coming up and making tackles. I don't think he wraps up very well, but as far as coverage goes, when he's out on the field, I think quarterbacks look over there and they see actual tight coverage on a receiver and it scares them a little bit. When they look over on the left side and and uh, Levi Wallace is over there, they see this, this cushion on every play. It doesn't matter if, it, if he's up pressing or not. There ends up this massive cushion and separation for wide receivers and quarterbacks are like, oh, wow, uh, this is wide open. Let's. I can't believe this. I'm checking it over there. Levi Wallace was probably responsible for half of CJ Stroud's yardage in this last game. I, I, I don't know the actual statistics on it, but it would appear that was the case. Yeah. Uh, he just needs to be on the field. Mike Tomlin said after his press conference that absolutely, yes, changes have to be made. This needs to be priority number two behind get Matt Canada out of town. I agree. I'm giving JPJ an A. I, I think he's I think he's deserving of that so far. Let's just go on to Keanu Benton because we have some guys we're going to talk to. And I, th- I have a feeling since we know a little bit more about the sophomores, we're probably going to spend a little bit more time because we've developed sure. more thoughts on some of these guys. <laughs> Keanu Benton, he he is I, I'm I'm very hesitant to give him a grade because there have been times where he, his play hasn't been necessarily great. But I think part of that could be due to the fact that Cam Hayward's not playing next to him as well. Mm-hmm. And we've seen flashes of him. We saw the sack last week. We saw, we've seen him display good physicality. Sometimes the pad level's not where it needs to be in the run game. And again, rookie issues. But 
he's definitely showing potential and he looks like he's going to be a guy that's going to stay around here for a while. What's your initial grade of Keanu Benton? Yeah, I'm going to give him a B plus as well, just like I gave Joey Porter Jr. Because I think he's put together plenty of solid reps. Now, as a part of that front unit, he is partially responsible for giving up a, a good chunk of, of rushing yards every game. <laughs> The Steelers might, I think they're, if they're not the worst run defense in the league through four weeks, they're probably close to the bottom, uh, very close to the bottom. I think Denver is officially okay. the worst rush defense for the entire year after what happened <laughs> last year. I don't think there's that's any true. catching up to Denver, but I don't know for sure. That That's true. The Steelers are probably um, the, the second worst yeah. uh, in this yeah. regard. Um, but I, I think that I think he gets good push. I think he knows how to use his leverage and his size. Um, and I think he's the best Steelers defensive lineman when Cam Hayward's not in there already. And I would say that even over Larry Ogunjobi, who has played okay, but still uh, this, this interior front front four or front three, really the interior defensive line without Cam there is, is struggling really bad. They're getting blown off the football. They cannot stay gap sound in zone run scheme. They just can't do it. Um, the, the Raiders power running game last week, they had that handled. But when they're having to play laterally and move and and figure out their their gaps in that type of situation, they're they're done. They're toast through three through a couple games now where we've seen that. And it's it's a big time problem. So um, he needs to get better in, in that regard as they all do. But I, I would give the caveat here that he's playing with without the, one of the best three defensive linemen in football. And that hurts, especially when you're a rookie trying to get your feet wet here. But I like some of his pass rush looks. He's he's looked pretty good in that regard. So I, I don't grade him too harshly for that. So I'm going to give him a B plus here. Yeah, I'm going to give him a B. I think he's been solid overall. Uh Again, I think there are all of his issues are things that can be worked out, and I think things that will work out, and there'll be a lot less pressure on him when Cam does come back, hopefully for the remainder of the season, uh, once Cam does make it back. Uh, Darnell Washington hasn't made a huge impact as a receiver, but we have seen him out there on occasion as a blocker, and his blocking is about as advertised. He's big, mm -hmm. and he moves people. Yeah, he does, and... He absolutely needs to be utilized up the middle of the field in this passing yes. game. He's your your biggest target. And yep. talk about making things easy on your quarterback. Let the six foot seven guy go out there and find a hole in the defense in the middle of the field and get to work. What are we doing here? Uh, I, I really thought that this guy could be a key piece to helping Matt Canada's offense get off the ground, but Matt Canada does not know how to use his players. It, right. That's might be his. That might be his biggest issue is that mm -hmm. he doesn't scheme up his guys. He just puts guys on the field and runs the same vanilla stuff and uh, makes the quarterback pick where to go with it. And I, I think if you look across the league, star players get star treatment. Good players get get looks. George Pickens. Th there is no excuse for Calvin Austin the third getting more targets than George Pickens in a game. Yes. That should never happen, and Matt Canada is at fault for that. I, I mean, yep. you know, because you're not scheming them up for anything. You're just letting those guys line up and run routes. No, scheme scheme up your players. The I 
I would venture to say that Kyle Shanahan's play call sheet for getting the ball to Christian McCaffrey is longer than Matt Canada's entire playbook. And that's just because Kyle Shanahan knows how to get the ball to his playmakers. Come on, man. Get your, get the ball to your playmakers. I give Washington a, a B here. I think that um, he got blown up a couple times today, uh, just being out of position a little bit, not necessarily being in the right spot at the right time, not getting there quick enough. But overall, when he latches onto a defender, it's over. He's he's that good a blocker um, in the run game. They just need to utilize him more, give him more chances. It's really hard to give him a grade, honestly, because he just hasn't gotten the looks. He had one target today, and he took it for a first down and was very physical. Needs more. Yeah, I, I think based upon the little we've seen him, we almost have to give him an A because he hasn't done anything wrong. I mean, he's been yeah. out there. He's done what's been asked of him, and it's up to Matt Canada to find ways to get him more involved in the offense. But – Let's finish off with uh, Nick Herbig, and he. We are we've already seen what he is capable of as a pass yeah. rusher. The question is, what is his role as the season progresses? And based on what we've seen of him, another guy to kind of difficult to give a grade, but I think there's nothing but optimism surrounding him moving forward. Yeah, I'll go with a B plus here. I know it's been pretty generic here for the grades with me, but I mean. In limited action, you can only go off what you've seen. I think he gets upfield quick on pass rush. I think he had a couple pressures today. I'd have to go check the, the stats, but if not actual pressures, he he maybe had some hurries um, and looked good getting off the ball. He's he's explosive off the ball. Um, hasn't had a sack yet, obviously, and but he hasn't been in really situations where he's been exposed either in either the run game or or pass rushing. So uh, I would say just solid effort out of him overall. And again, more reps needed to really determine a, a true grade. But um, as far as season goes so far, he's playing, he's playing well in the role that he's been asked to play spelling TJ Watt, him and Marcus golden get out there and they provide quality reps uh, in the absence of Watt and Highsmith on the edge. He could be a big assist and run defensive. He could pick up a little bit more weight as well. I'm going to give him a B plus. Uh, and I agree with everything you said there. Let's go to the sophomores because where do we begin? Do it, it all this, this whole class rides on Kenny Pickett. Yeah. And how really well his progression is, how do you go about grading him? We can, I, I, I want to, I cut, I'll start with this one just to kind of get my initial yeah. thoughts and then you can carry it out whichever direction you want to go. Yes, Matt Kanda is the biggest issue with this offense. And yes, the offensive line is a major issue that that they're still learning to gel. They're still learning to work together. Kenny Pickett has simply not made good decisions with the football. He's Mm -hmm. not confident. He's second-guessing himself. He's cross-reading across his body. You shouldn't be going back across your shoulder once you've already gone that way. I mean, that's kind of what's gotten him into several sacks is him going back to a previous read to hope that it reopens up when there's really no daylight there. And, you know, there may have been once or twice that happened. One time it worked to Pat Fryermuth on a comeback route earlier this season. Other than that, he's making mistakes with the football and it's causing turnovers, it's causing sacks. Yeah. Kenny Pickett is not playing well. And will a new offensive coordinator help? I think it would. But I'm not going to lay everything at somebody else's yeah. door. When Kenny Pickett, he's simply not executing right now. I'm not saying he's not right. the guy. I'm not saying anything like that. 
but he's going through a sophomore slump. And right now, at the end of the last year, I think people were giving, you know, this guy's getting an A grade, hands down. Right hmm. now, by the way, he's playing with everything we've seen from him from last year to this year. I think you give it a C. That's just me personally, but I will let you take the floor. Yeah, I I struggle with this one because I just think I think half of his issues are the fact that he doesn't trust the offense to to put anyone where they're supposed to be. Now, you can watch back the tape and you'll you'll find open receivers that he's missing. I mean, in in the game on Sunday, he missed a wide open Connor Hayward for a touchdown and and literally the the busted coverage from Houston brought two defenders up on the the flat route from the running back and he threw it at the running back's feet instead of throwing it past him on the the um high low concept to the outside to a wide open Connor Hayward who would have just sat there with the floater coming back his way and taking it um for a touchdown easy he's missed some wide open receivers and so i mean canada does scheme up some guys every now and then but i just think that overall it's it's just been rough he's he's been scattershot at times he wasn't super inaccurate on uh sunday against the texans but bad decision making bailing the pocket too early too quickly um not utilizing his legs enough i think i think he could utilize his legs more in the in the in the in scrambling in the run game um but then again creativity is just lacking in this offense so um i'm going to i'm going to go with a d plus because i just think he had he had basically two really good quarters against um against the raiders last week and outside of that it's been abysmal and you can't you can't cover for him too much uh, this is, some of this is on him for sure for for not taking the layups that are there and also making things more difficult on himself in a scheme that already makes things very hard so what would your grade be a d plus d plus yeah it's it's going to be interesting to see I, I i don't think either of us by our grades for those of you listening i don't think either of us are saying that we have lost faith in kenny no. pickett being the future of the steelers it's just he's not playing yeah. well right now and some of the steelers offensive struggles are because of him perhaps we see a spark with mitch trubisky i i don't think i don't think pickett is in is in danger of losing his job if trubisky plays well but yeah. i do think it's going to be a conversation brought up if he does play well can the Steelers salvage their season if Mitch Trubisky comes in and plays well? We'll see what happens. But let's move on to George Pickens. I know he's not getting the ball, but can we just agree he's an A-plus pick right now? Yeah, 100%. The athleticism is off the charts. He makes plays. This was his worst game against the Texas Texans. He dropped, I think, two passes, two or three maybe. Um, they, they would have been tough catches, contested catches, but he usually makes those. I think the frustrations of not getting the ball are warranted. Uh, his frustrations on the sideline are warranted um, because he's their best playmaker. And I, I don't care who you're talking about on the offense. Uh, it's not Najee. It's not Jalen Warren. It's George Pickens. He is their best playmaker and he gets treated like a wide receiver three and yep. gets four or five, six targets a game. He got 10 yep. targets against the Raider or I'm sorry, against the Browns, 10 targets against the Browns and six of them fell on the ground because they were poorly executed by the quarterback or um, tip balls or something like that. And 
he has every right to be frustrated because in any other place, a offensive coordinator would say, oh, I've got basically an unstoppable force on the outside. Let me get him the ball more than five times a game. Let me give him more looks than that. And he's just not getting it. So I, I don't, I'm not going to throw the plus on there. I'll give him an A, though. I think he's he's got a chance to be special, but I just don't know if uh, he can in this offense and or with this quarterback. I don't know. We'll see. Um, I, I like I said, I don't think Kenny is is out as the Steelers' potential future here yet. But um, it's it's kind of like the uh, Kyle Pitts situation in Atlanta, where they just don't know how to get him the ball and. <laughs> It's super frustrating as a Steelers fan. It is. And we saw a player today on Sunday. We're recording this Sunday night. Uh, we saw a player with similar athleticism and Nico Collins absolutely destroy yes. the Steelers because yes. even a rookie offensive coordinator has found a way to get him the ball because they realize that he is the playmaker in that offense. Yep. If George Pickens is on Houston, he's that guy having this monster season and probably just about any other offense in the NFL. Except maybe Chicago and Atlanta. <laughs> yep, exactly. Yeah, 100%. Let's move on to DeMarvin Leal. He's gotten playing time yep. on and off. He's been put into a bigger role this year. Results. How do you go about getting this guy a grade? It's kind of all yep. over the place with Leal. Yeah, this guy gets a C-plus for me. Um, Leal does. I, I do not think he's a good run defender. But I do think he's got some pass rush ability, and I think he, he can affect quarterbacks up the middle. Um, I, I like it when the Steelers split him out on the edge. I like the push he gets out there on offensive tackles. They're not used to that type of size coming at them from the 3-4 outside linebacker spot. Um, they did it a couple times in this game with mixed results, but I, I don't know. I, he's a tweener, and I don't think the Steelers have used him necessarily uh, well. I thought maybe they should have asked him to add weight this off season. Um, and I don't think they did that. I, he still looks pretty lean out there for a defensive tackle. I, I like his motor. I like his play style, but I just don't think he's being schemed up well by the defense and, or by the defensive coordinator and maybe Carl Dunbar on the defensive line. So, um, but yeah, uh, a C, what did I say? C plus, I think for him, yeah. I think he's got skill and talent but I just don't think he's put it all together yet. I agree. I think the Steelers need – I think the Steelers needed him to be what Stefan Tuitt was for this team, yeah. and instead they're getting what Chris Wormley was for this team. Yeah, that's true. I'm going to give him a C-. minus. I, I For pretty much the same reasons that you gave, I, I agree. Let's go to Calvin Austin. The receivers in this class, man, I tell you what, they got two yeah. gems, I think. I do a? Yeah, and A for him. Um, you know, it, he's he's being thrown the ball like he's six foot two ten on the outside. I, I don't know if this works for him on the outside, but yeah. uh, or regularly anyway. I like him split out there in some situations, uh, like against the Raiders last week when he goes off for a seventy plus yard touchdown. That was nice. Um, but you try to do the same exact thing this week. Kenny didn't put the ball out far enough. It turns into an interception. And then I don't get the the back shoulder um, throws to him on the sideline like he's George Pickens. Why, why aren't all of those going to George Pickens? Uh, I don't right. know. Um, 
but he needs to be worked over the middle of the field more and get used in space more. Uh, again, this is this is usage for these guys. The ceiling is capped by the usage because I think all the talent in the world is there. The speed is there. The the vision is there for him and for George Pickens. The but the usage is barring neg or um, bordering on negligence by uh, this coaching staff. Agree 100%. Let's, we got two left, Connor Hayward and Mark Robinson. Hayward is played well overall. Yeah. He's been a contributor and he's displayed his versatility. He's allowed the Steelers to, he's kind of been able to fill a role of fullback and tight end. He's a good death piece. He's seen the field and he's not doing anything wrong. He's contributed some and multiple phases of the game. What grade would you give Connor Hayward? B plus. He's solid. He's a good player. Um, in his role, he's very good. Uh, just don't ask him to to uh, get you a third and two up the gut. <laughs> don't do yeah. that. Hand the ball to Najee Harris. Yes, <laughs> I, I agree. I'm going to give him a B, uh, just solid overall in every aspect. And let's finish it off with Mark Robinson. It, it, it's, it's very difficult because if you – we're coming we're, – again, we're, we're recording this Sunday night, so we're still – we're trying to be optimistic about these, yeah. but at the same time – if you hear like a little bit of, you know, let's go to the next one, it, it's because it's coming off a very difficult loss. And it's like, how do we try to twist this into something that can, we can put some silver lining on and say, you know, hey, not all is lost here. Mark Robinson, the linebackers as a whole have not played well, but we have seen some good plays from Mark Robinson and we've seen the effort. He's a hitter. He flies like a missile around the field. I think the effort's there. And when you're judging them by a seventh round pick, I think we've got to be pretty optimistic about his potential role with the team moving forward. I think for where we get him, I think bare minimum, just because his play hasn't been perfect, being critical, I would probably give him a B plus. And that's kind of yeah. maybe a critical grade. I don't know what where you would go with here. Yeah, it's a solid B for me. I think they could use him more as well. The way mm -hmm. the linebackers have struggled in space, I think he's more athletic than Landon Roberts is, but I don't know, man. He's he's a tough one too because I don't think the instincts are all there for him because of the position change. But physically, athletically, I think he's got what it takes. Uh, but I don't know. The Steelers just don't have that dog at inside linebacker to to bring up the next generation. Like if you look back, James Ferry and Larry Foote, they they bring up Lawrence Timmons and um, and then Lawrence Timmons help helps bring up uh, Vince Williams and you you right, had a dog. You know what I'm talking about? And um, I don't know. It's it's not the same now. This isn't the same Steelers um, as far as how they use their linebackers. And I don't know, man. Uh, I think, again, usage is an issue. Like I said at the top of the show, the defense has some issues here. The defense, uh, maybe we should, we should sit back and, and think about the preseason and go, man, this offense looked pretty good in training camp against this defense. Maybe the defense is an issue <laughs> as opposed to maybe the offense has things figured out. I agree 100%. Before we get on out of here, I know this show, we we went a good distance today. Yeah. Any final thoughts, whether it be on the Steelers, something you have coming up on the website, a closing thought to encourage the Steelers fan base that is listening to us on the after a pretty depressing loss. You can go whichever direction you would like here, Jeremy, but I give the floor to you. Yeah, I think the the positives you can take away from the season so far is that the AFC is maybe not as strong as we thought. 
outside of Buffalo, maybe Miami. The whole NFL. Yeah, the whole NFL. Uh, the NFC still has some dogs at the top, some good players at the top, or sorry, some good teams at the top. But uh, the Steelers are still way, way in this this AFC playoff picture and AFC North race. Um, you know, so don't give up on them yet, but also understand that um, it, even if they were to make the playoffs and and be a decent team this year, uh, I think that wholesale changes this offseason are coming. If they don't come in this season, um, I, I don't think Matt Canada is sticking around because the Steelers aren't going to win ball games 30 to, to 13. They're not going to blow out teams. They're going to win nail biters um, 24 to, to 20 you know, 21 to 19 type ball games this year because the defense gets some splash in that game and they don't have to play a, a Kyle Shanahan tree offense every week. So um, don't lose faith in the Steelers season yet, but it's time to start questioning the, the front offices. If you haven't been, many of you have been, if you haven't been, it's time to start questioning the, the front office, Mike Tomlin, all those guys, um, if they are, um, the people to to lead us into the next generation for for Pittsburgh. Here's my final thought: If Matt Canada does not go, the Steelers season is done. That is my opinion. I don't. May, maybe I can still be proven wrong. I've been proven wrong many times before, but I don't see anything in this offense that makes me believe they can do enough with Matt Canada's offensive coordinator to go anywhere. John D. Filippo. Just throwing that name out there as an idea, not necessarily endorsing it, but I'm saying, yeah. keep an eye on it. I'm still confident Somebody. in the front. I'm still confident in the front office, not confident in the coaching staff. We'll see what happens. We'll see what changes are made. Bye weeks coming up, Steelers fans. We'll keep you posted with everything you need to know between now and then, as well as their big upcoming matchup in Week Five. So don't go anywhere. Stay here on Steel Curtain Network for all the news and notes you need to know. Follow Jeremy at the Bets ninety three on Twix, as we call it. And as always, <laughs> check out the Fans First Sports Network, fansfirstsports.com, steelcurtainnetwork.com, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. We will see you next week on the Steelers. Thanks.